Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're very glad you're here. We come from a long tradition of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. In the spirit of that tradition, one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by greeting the people around us and welcoming them here this morning. Let us say together the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Today's call to worship is a quote by Mary May Sarton, a thoughtful and introspective American poet, novelist, and writer of journals. Help us to be ever faithful gardeners of the spirit who know that without darkness, nothing can come to birth and without light, nothing flowers. This congregation has a mission that guides us as we make decisions and as we move into the future to remind ourselves of what we're doing here. We say our mission together every Sunday. Together we nourish souls and transform lives and do justice to build the beloved community. Our meditation reading is from the poem, The Gardener 85, by Rabindranath Tagore, an acclaimed Bengali poet, philosopher, and humanist who was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1913. Who are you, reader, reading my poems a hundred years hence? I cannot send you one single flower from this wealth of the spring, one single streak of gold of yonder clouds. Open your doors and look abroad. From your blossoming garden, garden fragrant memories of the vanished flowers a hundred years before. In the joy of your heart, may you feel the living joy that sang one spring morning, sending its glad voice across a hundred years. At this time in our service, we gather together in an attitude of prayer and meditation so that we might speak or listen to God as we understand God, or listen to our inner wisdom, or just follow our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. Most faiths of the world say that it is in this quiet place that we can find healing, clarity, space in our thoughts, and that we can feel ourselves held in the arms of love. Let us now enter into the wise silence together, understanding that in this congregation, small noises from children and the noises of life count as part of the silence.
Long ago and far away, I made a pastoral hospital visit to an old man. Mr. Hatcher had had a career as a civil rights and social justice activist. He had retired from Piedmont Community Action. He brought the Head Start program to the county. He uh, worked tirelessly for fairer medical transportation for marginalized communities. In the back of his house, there was this huge gully that ran the length of the neighborhood, and it was covered in poison ivy and brush, and for those of you who have driven through the south, kudzu. And he started puttering in his yard and in his garden, but soon his puttering overspilled into the gully. By that time, he said, I was burned out on trying to solve human problems, and I took to the woods, where I could have a little more control over my environment and my friends, the plants. Thirty years later, it was a 10-acre garden and woodland preserve that he gave to the city, and people go there and walk, and they go there and have picnics, and they go there and have weddings. He always said he hoped his brain wouldn't give out before his legs did. His brain never did give out, but his legs did. Um, He told me when he was 94, he said, I always thought I wanted to live to 95, but now I'm 94 and I'm thinking about changing my mind. I took him a big spray of rosemary from my big rosemary bush, and he took a big smell of it, and he goes, Rosemary. That really pulls its weight. (laughs) He himself had been a seed, you see, starting small and growing something just from his joy, growing something that meant so much to the people who helped him, to the at-risk kids that he invited to help him in the garden because he just knew that spending time with trees would be really good for them. He overcame obstacles just a centimeter at a time, one helper at a time, two helpers at a time. He said, well, I just, I would see a beauty spot and I would, I would see an ugly spot and make it into a beauty spot. So if you were a seed, that's my question today, If you were a seed, what would grow from you? Theologian Howard Thurman says this, Do not ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who've come alive. Okay, that was a seed for me, reading Howard Thurman say that. I was raised with responsibility and duty. You know, to those who much has been given, much will be required. I can't tell you how many times I heard that from my Uncle Henry, who talked just like that. And, and he thought that too. And we were all Presbyterian, which is a thing that, has, that goes with responsibilities. And, I, and then I was a firstborn and Virgo, so... So the idea that the world needs more people who've come alive instead of people who are doing what they're supposed to do, that changed my life. 
And we all know about people who've started really small and made a big difference. We're watching on the news 16-year-old Greta Thunberg from Sweden who started Friday climate uh, protests in Sweden, and it's a movement that's spread all over the world. And she gives speeches to big groups and politicians and world leaders at Davos, etc. And she starts her speech, I'm Greta Thunberg and I want you to panic. <laughs> There's Jakubo Sawadogo in Burkina Faso, who began fighting the desert in northern Burkina Faso by planting one tree at a time. And now there are 15 hectares of trees. Well, I have no idea what a hectare is, but I think it's a lot. And then there's Kate Sessions, who was born in the middle of the 1800s. And San Diego was her home. And she realized that there weren't any trees growing there. And she did the research and found lots of trees that would grow there and planted them. And you can see the results of her work in San Diego. It's not a desert and she's the mother of Balboa Park. People have started great huge businesses in their kitchens and in their garages. A publishing company started in the town in the south where I was living, Spartanburg, South Carolina. It started because there were these four or five friends who had coffee together every morning. And one morning they were like, we should publish some books. And they wrote a plan on a napkin and uh, they started a publishing company, and now they're publishing some great Southern literature, award-winning Southern literature. They published my book, but it was before they started publishing award-winning stuff. <laughs> so a whole town is now affected by that. A whole town now thinks of itself as a writer's town instead of as a busted textile town. So, we each carry beginnings in us like seeds. We can be a seed in nearly every interaction. You've had people who've been an inspiration to you, who've said things to you that just lit you up, or did things, or made a movement, or sang you a song that, that electrified you. And you've had people who discouraged you with just a line or two, or emotion, or a... <laughs> kind of sound. You all know how to do that, right? You were teenagers. <laughs> you know how to do that. Also rolling your eyes and going. <laughs> you've read a line in a, in a poem or a novel or a scripture verse, or you've heard lyrics to a song that made you stop short and say, I never heard it put that way. Here are some seeds that have blossomed and changed my thinking. One was from a teacher named Byron Katie, who said, We suffer when our thoughts argue with reality. That is a little time bomb of a seed. Because she says, you know, you find yourself saying, People should be kinder. People should drive better. You're suffering because your thoughts are arguing with reality. People are as kind as they are, and uh, people drive the way they drive. What they should do has really nothing to do with it, and dealing with reality is cleanest 
and you can fight against what's happening. You can try to teach driver's ed courses or uh, try your luck at rolling down the window and go, hey, use your turn signal. I'm here to tell you it's not going to work. Another seed that changed my thinking was in a 12-step meeting when I heard somebody say, (laughs) what other people think of me is none of my business. What other people think of me is none of my business. Wow. That changed my mind. You can plant seeds of discouragement, too. You all know how it has happened to you. Um, In my experience, somebody coming up to you and saying in an impatient voice, here, let me help you with that. (sighs) Mostly we do it to kids, but sometimes we do it to each other. And what it says, loud and clear, is, I am casting shade on your capacity. In my southern family, we um, discourage one another sweetly because we do everything sweetly. And we use the word little. Like, oh, hey, Meg, how's that little project of yours going? How are you doing at that little job? To be encouraging, you can say things like, you got this. You know how to do this. Or, I'll be right here if you need help. Some people are gifted at inspiring courage. Some people are gifted at inspiring strength, power, health, healing, love, laughter. uh, I'm Google queen, so I, of course, Googled 10 most inspiring speeches ever. And there were a lot of beautiful, famous people saying pretty basic things. Like, never give up. Define success for yourself. Make the world better. Joy is always (laughs) under construction. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey. Okay. And then, of course... Yoda, do or do not, there is no try. Which I disagree with, by the way. (laughs) Not to cast aspersions on Yoda, but I was a waitress at a restaurant one time with too many tables, and the boss was in the kitchen, and um, she goes, you need to move faster because those tables are getting impatient, and I was like, I know, I'm trying. And she went, she had just gotten back from a training in California. She said, Meg, I'm going to try to lift my hand off this table. Uh, Where's my hand? I said, I get it. I get it, really, I get it, okay. No, no, no. Where's my hand? I said, it's still on the table. She said, okay, now I'm going to lift my hand from the table. I said, okay, I get it. No, no, where's my hand? I said, it's off the table. I got fired from that job. (laughs) 
And then there's the ultimate inspirer, also fictional, like Yoda, Coach Taylor, who says, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, Texas forever, man. But I'm not saying you have to be Coach Taylor all the time in every interaction with every person. I'm just saying that we always leave a trace in every interaction. There's a trace of us that's left behind. And we have a choice about what that's going to be. How many people have watched CSI? Yeah, CSI. You're not old enough to watch it yet. So we all know about Locard's exchange principle. Every interaction leaves a trace. If you go into a room, you ride in a car, you're going to leave behind fibers and hairs and skin cells and whatever else. And um, the CSI people are going to be able to tell that you were in that car. So Locard's exchange principle can work for uh, interactions among people as well. You leave a trace. You have an effect on people. And we can make that unintentional or we can make it intentional or we can just try not to make it bad. Some of us are carriers of anxiety. We are worriers. And sometimes if we're in a group of people who are not as worried as we are, that worries us. And so we don't leave that room until everybody is as worried as we were when we came in. Some people carry a listening presence. Some people carry peace. You just feel better when they've been around. And some people carry love, and after interactions with them, you feel that you are loved and that you can love. And these are tiny little things, little tiny interactions every day. Maya Angelou famously said, people will forget what you said, uh, except for this. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Now I know you all in this room have touched thousands, if not millions of lives. You've been business people, you've had co-workers, you've had clients, you've been teachers, you've raised kids, you have had families, you have interacted with strangers. You never will know all the seeds that you've planted. Maybe once in a great while, someone that you interacted with in the past will write to you and say, I remember when you said this to me and it meant the world. I remember that you treated me like a human being when I was just there to paint your house, and it meant the world. I remember how you really looked at me. You really saw me. There's a famous uh, guy in the toll booth in New Jersey somewhere. I can't tell you where, but he was always really kind and cheerful. And I think a lot of people knew about him and went through his lane because he just was shining. He would just shine on you. And he would say, thank you. Have a nice day. And you'd toss your quarters in his basket. And it just made you feel good. Whereas most of them just go, Bleh. 
Which doesn't make you feel bad. I mean, you know. So, I think if you have had such an interaction with someone, a teacher or a mentor or a coworker, it might be good to write them a little email and let them know that they gave you a gift one day that they may not even know that they did. And everybody's got their own way of being in the world, right? I can't plant the same seed in a person that you could. I know, I know not to plant a seed of uh, yucky sickness in people I talk to on the phone, even if they're customer service people and I'm really frustrated, don't always do this right. But I have to remember, you know, they're a human being and they have griefs and they, they can't help it that they work for a satanic company. And... <laughs> You can tell them sweetly, you know, you work for Satan. (laughs) I know it's not your fault. And you can do better with fundamentalists who come to your door than I did after having cussed really badly and slammed the door. I'm sorry I did that. But only you can plant the seeds that you can plant. And I'm going to read you a little bit from a letter saying that from the beautiful dancer Martha Graham to the other beautiful dancer Agnes DeMille. This was a seed that has changed my life too. There is a vitality, a life force, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there's only one of you in all time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how valuable it is, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly and to keep the channel open. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.